more bikes. Morebikes.co.uk. Hi, it's uh, Bertie Simmons here from Classic Motorcycle Mechanics magazine, uh, moonlighting for morebikes.co.uk. Uh, I'm with James Hewing from the National Motorcycle Museum, uh, based in Solihull, West Midlands. That's right, Bertie, yeah, in uh, sunny Solihull here in the West Midlands. And you can probably just hear the pitter-patter of the rain outside, so I'm glad I didn't turn up on a bike. But talking about bikes... I have been absolutely knocked out. I've just spent a couple of hours just walking around and bumping in, into sort of like-minded motorcyclists and people who've just sort of been delivering things somewhere else in the sort of area who just wanted to pop in and they're just we're just absolutely knocked out with the amount of bikes, the quality, the finish on them. Just it's just mind-blowing. I mean, tell us a little bit about the museum and its and its history and, and how it all started. Thanks, Bert. That's that's really kind of you to say. The um, I think what first strikes people is is the amount of machines that we've got here in the collection in the the five halls that that, that make up the the National Motorcycle Museum. Um, of course, we, uh, as you've seen today, there's nearly uh, a thousand bikes in the collection, and uh, at any one time, there's over eight hundred and fifty here on on site, which makes us by far. Um, underway the largest collection of, of British motorcycles um, in the world. In, indeed, we're uh, second only behind the, uh, the Barber collection in uh, Alabama there in the United States as, as the largest museum um, in the world. Um, and they really haven't got a, a lot more bikes than we've got, so uh, we really are a, a, a very, very large um, museum collection. Um, and the history of the museum is a very interesting one, Bertie, because uh, it was uh, just recently, in fact, last Saturday, um, our 30th anniversary. So uh, the museum opened its doors first to the, the public back in October 1984. And the museum was, was the brainchild, the, the passion, if you like, of, of one man, Mr. Mr. W.R. Richards, known as, as Roy Richards. And Roy was a, a huge figure um, in the in the industry, if you like, um, in as much as um, it was his passion and drive uh, and commitment to create the the greatest motorcycle museum in the world that that brought us uh, to to, the, to this point thirty thirty years later. Um, Roy was um, a force of nature, really, in in many ways, and Roy was. Um, the ultimate patriot, I like to describe him as, as the ultimate patriot because he loved anything British, anything of British manufacture. And if he could help it, he would only buy anything that was made in Britain. Of course, that's quite difficult uh, these days. And sadly, Roy passed away a few years ago back in 2008. But even up to that point, he was still running about in an old Rover 800 that uh, was built <laughs> locally. So uh, you can tell that even though he was uh, a self-made man and uh, had, uh, had made a, a, good, uh, a good living um, in, in plant hire, um, and that's where he, Roy had made his, uh, uh, his money, um, he still, he, he still b- b- brought British. And the interesting thing about the, the, the history of, of Roy in the museum was that... Um, he um, was a. He had a huge plant hire business in the 1960s and 1970s, local here to uh, to Birmingham, called Richards and, and Wellington, and 
It was so big, in fact, that uh, at one time he was JCB's uh, biggest customer. And if, if that gives you some scale of, uh, of Roy's business um, uh, back in the sort of 1960s and 1970s. And when Roy um, sold the business, he, he wasn't one of these guys to go and sit on a, on a beach somewhere. Uh, because of his passion for everything British, and especially Norton motorcycles, um, he'd looked around and seen what other people were doing museum-wise and, and thought, well, I can, I can do this better. Um, and uh, what, uh, what Roy decided to do, rather than sort of sit on, sit on a beach and take it easy, he decided to uh, uh, take, take the, the, the money he'd made because he'd been a successful businessman and, uh, and put his money really where his mouth was in, in many ways and opened um, the largest motorcycle, British Motorcycle Museum in the world, which originally was based um, around his personal collection of of 350 bikes. So really, it's not just a sort of a legacy to the British motorcycle industry uh, in general, but also to sort of uh, Roy's passion for, for, for British bikes. And, and, and as you say, he was, a, he was a real patriot. Yeah, indeed. He, he was very, very passionate and committed um, to, the, uh, to, to the history, if you like, of, of the British motorcycle industry. Um, um, and... And so, really, with the, with the collection originally growing from his his um, his personal um, his personal machines, uh, those three hundred and fifty, um, that's grown very quickly from when the museum opened over the years to to the collection. As as I say, that now numbers um, around a thousand um, machines. So, uh, uh, but the thing is, with um, with with Roy, with with Mister Richards, he was. Um, he really was very, very um, committed and, and, and patriotic to, to British manufacture, things of British manufacture. And, um, and that's why even today, um, and he would have loved to have seen um, the resurgence of names like um, Triumph and, and Norton, and indeed how successful uh, firms like Triumph are being at, uh, on the world stage at things like the TT, for example, this year. He, he, he would have thought that was mm. absolutely marvellous, absolutely incredible. So just for the benefits of, of the listeners, give us a sort of a, a taste, I mean, I, I, I just couldn't even take it all in, of what people can expect to see over the course of visiting uh, the National Motorcycle Museum and over its five halls, because it really does span absolutely every uh, decade, doesn't it? It does, it does. It's, um, it's, we, we certainly have a very broad range of machines of British manufacturer, obviously, in the collection, and the oldest being from from eighteen ninety eight, which is really obviously the dawn of uh, two wheel transport, or indeed, in, in the case of that particular machine, three wheel transport, because that machine there from eighteen ninety eight is a, a best and humber tricycle, a three wheeled machine, um, and so we've got machines from eighteen ninety eight through to machines of of, of the present day. Um, uh, and by what, what I mean by present day is we've got Hinkley Triumphs, if we, if we think in terms of, of road bikes, or um, a brand new um, Norton Commando from uh, the Norton factory just up the road there in, uh, in Castle Donington. Um, and so it really is a very, very broad range. And, and the museum isn't, uh, isn't a, a place where everything is old, if you like. Um, if it's a British motorcycle manufacturer, then... You know, it, the chances are it's it's here at the museum. But uh, those five halls do 
also span a very, very broad range of different makes and models, and not just different British makes and models, but also different sporting interests. So as well as road machines, we've got a lot of different competition machines, grass tracks, scrambles, road racing machines, um, uh, sprint machines. We've got some of the most famous sprint machines, record-breaking machines uh, in the world, like Nero and Super Nero, the supercharged Vincent. And the rocket we, bike as well. A it's rocket just, bike, yeah. yes. And, and, of course, we've got the, the original Bonneville Streamliner, um, which uh, broke the land speed record there back in the mid-1950s at 214 miles an hour. And, of course, that's where the, the Bonneville name came from. So we really do have the most famous um, British competition machines in the world. And, and, and again, they span, a, they span a very, very broad um, uh, range as regards uh, dates. And, and so we've got some famous TT machines going back to the, uh, the early 1920s and uh, post-First World War machines through to, again, very, very iconic and famous racing machines like John Cooper's triple on which he beat um, Agostini at the race of the year back there in, in the early 1970s, a very famous race, or other machines like we have the, uh, the entire collection of the X-Works Norton Rotaries. Many of you, many listeners will, will know about those bikes, the famous JPS Black uh, Norton Rotaries of Steve Spray and Trevor Nation. The and that's famous... just amazing, just seeing the whole lineup. You've got the whole lot there. Yes, that's right. There's, uh, I think there's around... Uh, 18, uh, 18 X-Works Norton Rotaries there, including the original factory prototypes that were the, the original factory prototype that was built out of a crashed uh, police bike um, there at the factory in, in Shenston. So, uh, uh, and of course, uh, probably one of the most famous TT bikes of all time, Hislop's uh, um, uber-famous 1992 senior TT winning Norton X-Works Norton Rotary, the White Charger that uh, he beat uh, Fogarty on, and, and many people um, uh, you know, argue that that's one of the best, if not the best, TT races of all time, and that machine is also uh, in the collection here, yeah. It is, it's an amazing collection, and, um, and as well as that, there are sort of other things that people can come for. You've got a, a cafeteria and a, and a gift shop and a sort of a specialist motorsport bookshop as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, the cafe is very popular in restaurants, um, uh, open quite early in fact for breakfast and so we get a lot of people that, that just come to the restaurant to, to use the restaurant facilities but uh, yeah the restaurant's open 8.30 till 2.30 um, the, uh, the bookshop as you say very specialist motorcycle bookshop um, uh, and gift shop that's open museum opening hours 8.30 to uh, 5.30 um, and so there's quite a lot on site um, apart from uh, the museum because of course what a lot of people don't realise is we're also one of the largest um, standalone conference and banqueting facilities um, in the UK. Which is why it's always handy to turn up on your bike because there's probably a lot more ways to be out of parks it's a very busy uh, complex but obviously you've just cele celebrated a fantastic uh, 30 years how do you sort of want to sort of move on in the next few years? What sort of plans have you got to open up the museum to more people? Because, uh, I mean, the thing is, it's just, for me, it's like a, it's not a hidden gem, because people know it's here, but, you know, I think everyone who's interested in motorcycling in some way should come here and have a look round at least once every few years, because obviously it's, a, it's sort of an, an organic thing, isn't it? It's moving forward, it's, it's changing, and, and there must be sort of plans in the next sort of year or two years or three years that you're looking at, which you may or may not be able to divulge. Um, to sort of maybe move it sort of 
into the future. Uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, we all feel, and of course, that the museum is a, is a family business. We're not publicly funded, and so we do have to, to keep moving forward. We do have to um, generate income to, uh, to, to survive, and we all feel that we are just custodians of this amazing, uh, unique resource and, uh, and and as such we have to uh, we have to redouble our efforts every year to uh, to make sure that the collection goes on in into in perpetuity and as such we have got a lot of plans over the next year to as you, as you say to update and modernize the uh, the collection and broadly speaking i suppose that falls into two categories the the, the amount in the collection is is both a blessing and a curse in some ways because there is just so much and so what we want to do is expand the the current five halls by at least another couple of halls or the equivalent to another couple of halls to be able to display the machines better in terms of storytelling and interactivity um, to put the machines in in historical context or into sporting context etc etc and, and really tell the story of the machines a, 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 a little bit better, perhaps make the museum a little bit more family-friendly, and that's very important to us um, in the future. Uh, and we've got a, a lot of plans to, uh, to bring that to fruition uh, over the next two or, two or three years. But also, um, we want to change people's perception of the museum, um, and I suppose this is true of, of people's perceptions of museums generally, that it can be a bit of a dry place. Well... That, that's not true at all. Most of the bikes in the collection do run or can run, and this year's a very good example uh, where we have run a lot of bikes at a lot of events, perhaps most famously, and we ran uh, Michael Dunlop on his dad's, Robert Dunlop's, um, black rotary Norton, his JPS rotary Norton at the Classic TT, on which Michael put in a 109 mile an hour lap. Unbelievable. So, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so, so they're still living, that's the thing. It's not exactly. behind, a bla- behind a sort of glass case. These things are still just lying dormant, ready to be used, uh, you know, uh, as and when to show a living history of British a- motorcycles. Absolutely, Bertie. And, and we're not just sort of um, revving them gently in a car park for people to hear. That bike was put, in, was, was put um, under enormous pressure by one of the most famous and best TT riders of, of, of the modern era, um, who, who rode it like a race bike, like it was intended to ride. And okay, As it, it was, should be, exactly. Well, that's yeah. right. And, and, whilst and his was, dad wouldn't have wanted it any other way, exactly, having met him. So. Exactly. And whilst it was called a parade, it was by in, in no means a parade. And, 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 you know, Michael decided to ride the bike that hard, and we were pleased pleased that he did and it was race prepared and uh, and obviously we took no chances uh, as regards the machine's preparation but uh, it was a very very successful um, few days for us and, and really showcased what the museum is and can be about and what we want it to be about in in the future in terms of interactivity but it you know Bertie it's not just about putting star riders on the famous machines we've just launched a, a museum friends scheme which the, the core activities of which are, are all about that use and interactivity of, of, of the inventory. So, for example, next year, for, for people that join our Friends Scheme, they're going to get a chance to learn how to ride vintage and veteran machines, uh, some of the oldest machines in the collection indeed, machines that they would never normally get a chance to ride. We're going to teach them to ride them on veteran and vintage training days. And it just opens things to up to everyone, doesn't it? That's it, just fantastic. It does, and the machines will live, and, 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 but they won't just live and be demonstrated by other people. We want 
um, the friends of the museum. We want visitors. We want people that, that love the museum and enjoy the museum. We want to be, them to be part of it. Uh, and that's just one example, but we're also, be going, we're also going to be doing museum tours for Friends of the Museum, where they can get to ride some of the machines from the collection, but not just machines that they might get a chance to ride because they own one themselves, or, or the friend owns ones, or, or, or a member of the family own, own one, but we're going to give them the chance to ride machines that they would never normally get to ride, names like Bruff Superior and Vincent. So, again, we want to do things that are, are really innovative and, 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 and spectacularly interesting for people. We want to give people the chance to do things that they would never normally get a chance to do, to make the museum live, to, to make the museum come alive for them, but come alive for them personally in a real, in a real and tangible way. And the thing is, you were telling me that you've ridden a few of these bikes, so you must have experienced firsthand how wonderfully visceral and, uh, and, and sort of emotive it must be to get on, on a motorcycle that's anything from between sort of 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 or 60 years old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as you know, I, I've, I'm very, very lucky and, and that, that I do get a chance to, 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 to ride these machines, but as a, as a lifelong motorcyclist and somebody that started riding when they were sort of 11 or 12 years old and did what everybody else does and had the sort of the, uh, the, the Yamaha fizzy when they were sort of 16 years old and, you know, just like everyone else. But for, for, to, for me to be able to, to experience these machines, some of the oldest machines in the world indeed, or some of the, some of the competition machines or some of the most famous names, is, is absolutely uh, incredible. And, and, and the experience is so different from riding a, a, a modern uh, machine or a, a modern superbike or, or any sort of modern machine from, from 125 upwards. The, the experience of riding... Uh, a veteran machine, for example, with all those different controls, lever controls instead of uh, a, a twist grip, for example, or, or hand, t hand change on, on a tank as opposed to a, a foot gear change is, um, is an experience which is really, really worth having and, 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 and something very different for the modern motorcyclist. And I've experienced those things and that's exactly what I want other people to be able to experience because inexperience in those things it's it will give people a real flavor of of the history of of our motorcycle in heritage if you like but not not in a, a dry or sort of bookish way but in a in a practical exciting smelly um out on the road uh, way that because um, that's the way bikes are isn't it exactly i can smell the bikes as i'm walking past it's them today it's all about the experience bertie it's not just about looking yeah looking's very important and you know, as you said at the start of this, this interview, walking into this, this place, this marvellous facility, it's amazing to see all the machines lined up. But imagine if you could ride those machines as well. And that's what we want. We want the National Motorcycle Museum, this, this great resource, world-famous resource. We want it to live for people. We want, it bring it, we want to bring it alive for people. And the Museum Friends Scheme that we've just launched will do that. It'll be an e-ticket, it'll be a unique opportunity, won't it, for, for friends of the museum to come and, come and do that. So, well, James, thank you very much for the day. I've just had a wonderful time and it's just been an absolute eye-opener for me. Uh, just finally, um, the website? What? Yeah, the, uh, the, the website, uh, www.thenmm.co.uk. Um, currently uh, 
actually interesting one really currently uh, uh, will be undergoing a huge revamp in the, in the next few months so that that's also part of our uh, our plans but um, we're uh, we're here all the details of of the uh, the museum's address etc are all there on the website and we're open 7 days a week from uh, from 8.30 in the morning till 5.30 in the evening. We've also got quite... Uh, we're also expanding our web shop, talking of digital media, and that's uh, www.thenmmshop.co.uk. And details of the friend scheme that we've just be, been discussing uh, are on there, uh, where you've also got the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to join online. Superb. Well, let's hope that uh, many of the morebikes.co.uk and the classic motorcycle mechanics readers do just yet. James, thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank you, Bertie. Morebikes.co.uk